0: Our scripture lesson this day comes from Psalm Psalm 13, so I invite you to follow along with the words on the screen now or grab your Bible. You can follow along. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So last week, we began the Lenten journey together, and we also kicked off a sermon series that will carry us through this season. The series will help us learn the lessons from the wilderness. What is it that God has to teach us? This morning, we hear from the psalmist the question of the wilderness How long? How long, O Lord? It is the question of all who journey through wilderness. How long? It is the question of the worried parent and the anxious teen. It is the question of the chemo patient and the caregiver keeping watch. It is the question of the oppressed and the addicted. The question of the wilderness is necessary because there are no clocks or calendars in the wilderness. When we are in the midst of wilderness, there is no way for us to know where we are on the journey. The Hebrew people wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, but nobody announced that at the outset. Jesus was tempted in the desert for 40 days, but he didn't have a countdown clock. In fact, many biblical scholars would tell us that 40 doesn't actually mean 40. Used over and over again in scripture, 40 is code for the listener. It means a long time. So Noah is in the ark. For a long time. The Israelites wandered in the wilderness for a long time. Jesus was tempted and hungry for a long time. When you are in the wilderness for a long time, you start to have a different relationship with that time. You begin to recognize that there is a character to time that you were not previously aware of. The Greeks seemed to understand this relationship with time and its depth. They had at least two concepts of time that they held simultaneously, chronos and kairos. Chronos was time as duration, sequential time. It's 10 o'clock, it's 10.30, it's 11, it's 11.30. Kairos Meant time as significance. When it time, when it comes to a fullness, and reveals the meaning of Chronos of chronological time. Chronos is quantitative. Kairos is qualitative. The psalmist seemed to understand this truth as well. If you examine the passage, you see that the tense of the psalmist moves fluidly amongst past, present, and future tense. The Greeks and the psalmist help us understand why, as people of faith, we claim that God is at work beyond our comprehension of time and space. God is not stricken by our notions of ticking clocks or turning years. God is at work, rather, in something that the Catholic theologian Richard Rohr calls deep time. See, it turns out that we can wear watches on our wrist that can measure almost every metric of our bodily health, but they cannot measure the health of our souls. There is a dimension of time that is beyond our knowing beyond our measuring, known solely to God. This week, I thought a lot about time, Uh, not just because I was contemplating this sermon, but because Tuesday, for me and for my family, marked the second anniversary of my sister's death. My sister lived 40 years, 9 months, and 29 days, For a little over half that chronological time, she battled eating disorders, and for the last quarter of her life, alcoholism deemed her what the doctors termed as dual diagnosis. Much of Mindy's life was wandering of the most beautiful kind, and much of Mindy's life was wilderness wandering of the most difficult kind. She was beautiful and kind, and her intellect was without rival in our family. But if you have ever been someone who battles eating disorders or alcoholism or any sort of addiction, or if you have loved someone who does, then you know that disease in one is disease in all. When I started going to Al-Anon meetings, that was one of the first things I learned about alcoholism. It's a family disease, they told me. When you walk alongside someone who is struggling in their wilderness, you are with them to an extent, not fully. It's theirs to own. But there's another sort of wilderness that you walk in together. This, this week, I thought about how long Mindy wandered in the wilderness. And on Tuesday morning, I wept as I imagined how many times she cried, How long, O Lord? How long? I wept as I imagined how many times my father cried, How long? Or her husband. How long? When you are in the wilderness of addiction, you come to have a different relationship with time in that place. At least I did. I began to count moments more so than days or weeks or months. Qualitative rather than quantitative time. I came to count moments and a few in particular rose to my consciousness and in my memory this week. For a few days, the summer before she passed, Mindy had returned from an intensive inpatient facility in Arizona. And for a few days, she was sober in mind and in spirit and for those few wonderful days full of rich conversation. I believed, and we believed, that she would indeed triumph over all the ills. I'm grateful now that those few wonderful days take up more time and space in my memory than the longer wilderness that we walk through. Another moment I thought of this week was the call that I received at a Presbyterian meeting that I was attending in Augusta, Georgia at Covenant Presbyterian Church. I got a call about 9.45 in the morning on a Saturday during that meeting. I got called out of that meeting because it turned out, I didn't know this, but I was her power of attorney, her medical power of attorney, and they were making their way from the hospital to hospice care for her. Came out of the blue for me. I didn't expect to receive that call. We had been in constant communication. What I knew is that in that moment, I needed someone to be there with me. So I walked inside, and I caught the eye of a dear friend and colleague of mine and invited him to come out into the narthex with me. He stood beside me as I listened to the nurse talk about how my sister's health had declined rapidly over the last 12 hours and that it was understandable that I was surprised they were too. But she needed to go And she needed to go now, and they needed me there in that moment. And so he went inside and he packed my bag from the pew where I was seated and he brought it out and I hung up the phone and then he hugged me as I cried. I don't know how long I cried, but what I know is the memory of his embrace and his allowing me in that moment to cry. Or however long it was i needed takes up more space for me in my memory the quality of that time over the quantity of it when we are in wilderness beloved we come to have a different relationship with time we come to understand it in ways deeper than seconds or minutes or days I am grateful, as I reflect this week, that in my memory of Mindy, the Kairos of those special moments is greater than the Chronos. And I am grateful that the God that we know in Jesus Christ is at work in dimensions of time that are beyond our comprehension. In a way, I am grateful that there are no clocks or calendars In the wilderness. So, what does it look like for us to fall into deep time, as Rohr would call it? What does it look like for us to fall into the deep mystery of the way in which God can comprehend time that we cannot? It is difficult for a preacher to say. Perhaps only the poet can attempt it. Wendell Berry seems to speak to this mystery in. One of his poems, The Peace of Wild Things. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace. Of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. Beloved, here is the tricky and yet true lesson from the wilderness. If this morning you feel forgotten by God, if this morning you feel as though God has hidden herself from you, if this morning the pain feels too heavy for your soul to bear, too exhausting for your heart to withstand, know this, beloved, you are not alone. The psalmist's cry joins with the voices of all who journey through wilderness and so does yours. God heard the cry of the psalmist. God hears the cry of every weary wanderer. God hears your cry as well. And beloved, know also this, that God is at work. God is at work in deep time, beyond our clocks, and our calendars. As the psalmist reminds us, God is at work in divine time, not marked by seconds or days, but by love that is steadfast and grace that is bountiful. So today, may you know this to be true in your life. and May you know it to be true in the world. Amen.